0: Greetings, church and friends of the church. This is the scripture lesson and the sermon from the March 13th, 2022 worship gathering of the Valley Forge Presbyterian Church community. Our uh, scripture is from the first letter of Peter, uh, the third chapter, verses 13 to 17. The author writes, now who will harm you if you are eager to do what is good? But even if you do suffer for doing what is right, you're blessed. Do not fear what they fear. Do not be intimidated. But in your hearts, sanctify Christ as Lord. Always be ready to make your defense to anyone who demands from you an accounting for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and reverence. Keep your conscience clear so that when you are maligned, those who abuse you for your good conduct in Christ may be put to shame, for it is better to suffer for doing good, if suffering should be God's will, than to suffer for doing evil. So in this episode, we continue the series of reflections upon, upon this first letter of Peter, uh, written originally to encourage Christians living in places that were not operating by ethics, norms, expectations that were Christian. Uh, in this episode, we hear the author continue with this encouragement, invitation, challenge to be a people whose Christianity is an embodied intentionality of action and living, which leads to actual physical and social transformation in communities. The author starts with this rhetorical question that seems just as pertinent and paradoxical and perplexing today as back in this original context. Now, who will harm you? If you are eager and zealous to do what is good. Well, like most rhetorical questions, if we look closely, the answer to the question is within the question itself. So the word translated is harm. Who will harm you? Is the Greek word kakas, which of course is the word from which we get this lovely word kaka. Kakas is a word that describes an inner sickness or brokenness. More literally, it uses the metaphor of rot within wood to describe the deterioration, the breakdown of the inner soul or spirit. Kakos is a malice or antagonism within an injured or rotting soul that causes inhumane, unjust, illogical, irrational responses to others. And so who will treat you with malice and antagonism For doing that which is good? Well, here's the answer within the question. Those whose souls have been eaten away by these destructive forces, like wood is eaten away by rot, those whose souls have been compromised and broken, misshapen by fear and greed, intimidation, misinformation, and so many other forces around us that nurture self focus in the sense that others are competition rather than community. Who will treat us with malice and antagonism? feeding the hungry and seeking to house the homeless or seeking to create a place for children of every race and creed and social status to be nurtured in a place of love and play and encouragement and learning. Well, sadly, those whose souls need the healing and restoration that comes from living by faith rather than fearfulness. And so what is the encouragement of the author when we face the resistance, opposition, antagonism, and malice, which is pointed at us from these souls in need of healing, when we commit to do the good that we are called to do. To do not what is preferable or convenient or makes for the strongest bottom line, but what is right. Well, first, the author gives some instruction as to what we are not to do. We are not to fear what others fear. Fear is perhaps the most contagious and uh, damning um, pandemic in human history spreads like wildfire. The self-defense mechanisms that have evolved within all of us as a species are very sensitive. And as we've considered in other reflections, it's easier to live by what we fear is true than what is actually true. We are not to fear these false religious notions of a God who demands perfection and self-righteousness. We're not to fear others who do not look, live love, believe, and speak like we do. We are not to fear that all others are competition. We are not to fear that lives of simplicity and common good are ineffectual. We are not to fear seeking the well-being of anyone other than the self. We are not to fear humility and admitting we were wrong. We are not to fear change and progress. Do not fear what they fear. Do not be intimidated. Now, this word intimidated is not the best translation. More literally, the word in the Greek means to be agitated back and forth or getting stirred up when we're supposed to remain still or calm. So what the author is really cautioning against is allowing that contagious fear to agitate and to stir up, up, stir us up, setting us in motion in response to something when the right thing to do is to remain still and calm. And so we actually join the malicious and the antagonistic efforts of those who fear. We get caught up in the self-righteousness, the racism, the homophobia, the consumerism, the greed, the self-focus, guard yourselves against fear and being intimidated, being caught up in these things yourself. The author then reminds the church how we guard against the contagious fear entering into our hearts and causing that same rot within. We sanctify Christ as Lord in our hearts. And the word sanctify, very churchy word. It's a word for setting something apart with the acknowledgement that it's primary or unique or hallowed or worthy of veneration in our hearts we are to name that Jesus is not like any other voice or influence and is not just one of many voices or influences that all receive the same audience and veneration from us christ is lord always not just sundays and we must not allow other fears desires or voices to dictate who we are and what we do no matter what day it is or no matter where we are. and in this way we avoid the fear and the stirring up that can begin to rot us on the inside. This takes us back to our very first reflection on this letter, placing our hope for the future, not just our individual future, but our corporate future as well, in God's guidance upon us all in the witness of Jesus. When we sanctify him in our hearts, we're saying that our hope is grounded in his promise that living by his ways leads to life that is abundant and joyful and makes for peace together. When we allow ourselves to fearfully place our hope in our own selves or in other voices or forces, we are embodying the rot in our living rather than embodying and living by our faith. Because that hope in God compels us to do what is good and right rather than what is culturally normative or self-serving. Because of that, the words and actions that come out from Christian hearts can raise eyebrows. Why would you welcome that person when our political voices and cultural norms judge and exclude them? Why would you give so much to those efforts instead of spending it or saving it for yourself? Why would you choose that vocation instead of something more lucrative? Why won't you try to denigrate your competition for that opportunity or promotion in order to better your odds getting it for yourself. Why why won't you? Why would you do that to your buildings, congregation? And why would you seek to change laws or norms? Well, because we are full of this living hope. Even when things are good for me or for us as a congregation in particular, we acknowledge that until things are good for everyone, we're to place our hope in God to guide us forward toward that end. And to those who raise their eyebrows, we are to make our defense, give an account of why we have the hope that we have for the future, not just of ourselves, not just of our congregation, but for our entire community and our entire world. We are to be able to explain to others why we intentionally do the things that we do. And then it's its not just, well, because I believe in God, but because we trust that God is seeking to be at work in all things, in all people, in ways that change this world for the better. So that our communities become more just, more peaceful, and good for all. We're to be able to explain that we're doing what we're doing because the most meaningful and fulfilling and impactful lives do not come in seeking to appease our own fears or desires, but in participating in the advancement of the common good. The best possible lives. Are not those of gluttonous indulgence of food for self gratification, but in intentionally seeking that all of our neighbors have enough to eat. The best possible lives are not those of materialism and consumerism, always chasing bigger and better homes and cars and vacations, but rather in intentionally seeking that all of our neighbors should have enough shelter and transportation to live their lives in well being and peace, rather than. The fear and danger and poverty of being homeless and immobile. We're to be able to explain why we are Christians with a witness that is not, well, I go to church because I fear that if I don't, God will smite me or curse me or won't let me into heaven someday. So really, I'm just going because I'm worried about me. No, (laughs) we're to have a witness instead where we explain how our hope compels us to allow. God to work in and through our lives, the attitudes and actions and words of our lives for the sake of others. To trust that if the church is located within a particular community, God will use that church to make that community better. And why our trust uh, in God to guide us all to that kingdom future compels us to do the right thing, even if it means risk or sacrifice or suffering. And... We are to give an account of our Christian hope in action, not with a sense of moral superiority or with any antagonism or malice in return, but with gentleness and reverence. With compassion, we are not to judge or label or condemn the rotting or broken places within others because we all have them. Rather, we are to gently and with respect and reverence for others explain that we have a hope in something better than the present circumstances. And that this hope compels us to participate in working toward that better future. With this gentleness, we point others toward God and not toward ourselves. And we invite them to open their own hearts and imaginations to joining in the the good work. We keep our consciences clear. Or more literally, the author encourages us to seek consciences that are good, godly, as free from rot as possible. So they stay as God created them to be. And bearing the divine image of creativity and love and peace rather than bearing the ways of the world. And when we live these lives amidst communities where others are living by the norms that their culture or their greed or their fear nurtured out from these broken, or rotten places within them. And in comparing their lives and actions and words to ours, they will be what is translated in this text as put to shame. But this isn't judgmental shame that goes with self-righteous finger-pointing or the, the elevation of one morally above and beyond another. More literally, it means that they will put, be put to a place of confusion and being confounded. Their eyes will be opened to their ways in comparison with the goodness on display and the faithfulness of the, of the ways of the church. They don't know what they don't know. We become who our culture tells us to be, so often without questioning it. But then, efforts that feed hundreds of people in our community every week, and efforts that seek a safe home for the fast-growing population of housing insufficient of every age, gender, race, creed, and social status, that confuses and confounds and raises doubts and questions about the status quo that was supposedly leading all of us in the community to the good life. And when we do this, live every moment of every day with Christ as Lord, seeking to do only that which he would do and and have us to do, even enduring risk or change or suffering because of that commitment, the author reminds us that we're blessed, which isn't special favor from God, but this affirmation of our faithfulness. And if it's faithful, committed to God's good rather than evil self-service, then it is the best possible and most fulfilling life. So with God's help, may we all live these lives. Take care. Peace to all. Be well.